desire of wisdom. And if you'll turn to, I believe it's Colossians. Isn't that what we said, Jacob? Yeah, that's, that's going to be the kicker. But we started out with uh, 3.16, yes. And we're going to uh, go over this and review this. We want to, by way of inculcation, teaching and teaching again, to rub this into your soul. How many can say praise the Lord? Good to see you, young man. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, semicolon, teaching and admonishing one another, in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, with singing, with grace in your hearts to the Lord. We've done some of that today. Whatsoever you do, do in word or in deed, do it all in the name of Jesus, the Lord Jesus. As if your life was truly controlled and led of the Spirit, His Spirit. His Spirit was the Spirit of His Father. He was given life because of the will of God and the plan of God. Given thanks to God and the Father by Him. Well, that's beautiful. And then we turn to, if you go to James 1, we turn to a, a, a requirement, a requirement that we come to understand, James 1, verse 5, Yet if any of you lack wisdom, I spent probably the first two decades of my Christian life, believing that there was a place that you could attain. I certainly felt apprehended of God, but in those days, I, I used what I thought was my faith to put my energy, my mind, my body. I had a very physical understanding of the first commandment. My heart, I put my heart into it. I put my mind into it. I saw a mold that Jesus had left. And the Bible said the kingdom of God has been preached, but now every man presseth into it. So I did all that I could to press myself into the mold of Jesus Christ. I thought that was the will of God. And for years I thought that I would attain God that I would become godly and there would be a certain build-up, if you speak, a, a payoff of God returning His knowledge to me. Well, I was wrong. I now know that it has little to do with that. Because the more that I've come to know, the less I realize I know. The more that I think I understand, the less and more questions I have about understanding. I had approached God thinking that there would be a place that He would allow each and every son to rise to or attain to. This also was a lack of knowledge. It was a vanity. A vanity. Now, I wasted my time in the right places, but it did not give me what I sought for. God is the one who grants wisdom. And He is the understanding of all understanding. 
He is the question of all questions. Every time God really answered somebody from heaven, He really answered them with another question. He only gave them more questions to decipher and search and comprehend. So if you're left today with more of a wonder of God, more of a desire to know Him more than you've ever had because of what you don't know, you really have been visited by God. You really have been in His presence. Because your desire for Him, and because you've delighted yourself in Him, He will give you the desires of your heart. I've heard my heart whisper at times. Just me, I thought. And yet the one who lives in me heard my whisper, and he did what I asked for. Just a fleeting moment, Miss Cindy, I, my heart would whisper, God, I wonder if you would do this. I wonder, God, if, if I was going to live somewhere, Lord, I'd love to live on this street. I think this is nice. I don't know how we'll do it, God, but this is the street I'd like to live on. A year later, we were on that very street. And God was making a way for us to live in a house right in the center of that street, right in the middle. Five houses down, five houses afterward. I'm right in the middle. And made it in such a way that someone else had taken out two mortgages and we wound up assuming a loan at the same time that we bought this property to start a church. We closed on the property for the church in the first of the month and by the second week of that same month we bought a house. We did both. So while they were checking in between, this is what I didn't know. While the bank was checking in between for a certain amount of money that we needed to have both for this land and for the house, they saw the same money that was going to represent for both because I couldn't have done both at the time. But it worked out in my benefit. And we now live in that house and this now has become a church. But I thought God for years would be something that I would grow into, something that I would attain, something that I would come to something that would accumulate and build up. And rather, it's the question and the awe of God that just continues to get wider and wider and wider and wider. And I want to prove that to you today by the Scriptures. Can I do that? Because I see things very differently than I used to. I told Scott today, I'm really here by faith. I'm not moving very well. And I'll be honest with you, I don't feel very well either. Everything in me wants to just go lay down and, and say, God, I'm fatigued, I'm tired, I'm worn out, and I don't. I, my body doesn't want to, but my spirit does. My soul wants to give to you those things that I believe I've seen from God. And that should leave you with a greater awe of God, a greater reverence, a greater belief in God, that though He gives you and speaks to you, Kyle, in a question... His question towards you is satisfying, but it also leaves you hungry and thirsty for more. Now Jesus rightly told the uh, Saint Fotini of the woman of the well in John chapter 4, If you drink of this water, you'll never thirst again. 
And I know many people say, well, that's not true. I got a sip of Jesus and all I want is more and more and more. That's the real water. The point is, keep on drinking. Go ahead and finish the cup. He gave us a cup to drink of, Miss Jessica, and we still got to keep drinking. Because the only thing that satisfies really is Him. A taste of this grace and you'll always want some more. Enough is never enough. More is never more. All that you think you have only leads you to all that you can have, and it's so much more. So it says, If any man lack, let him ask of God, and that giveth. That gives. And the good news is, is he will give it. But you've got to be honest about yourself and have humility and pray and say, God, this is what I don't have. See, I thought there'd be a place where I would accumulate and say, Okay, Kevin, you're mature now. You're ready. You're a hundredfold. Go do my will. And all I find is my energy, my life, my ability to move about, the, 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 the vigor and the verve that I one time had to go after things. If God doesn't hold on to me right now, I'm lost. I don't have it anymore. But God once again proved me yesterday in that wreck, after it happened, I was like, oh my God, what happened? First person in the car was a Christian. First person was a born-again Christian. His name is Ricky Young. He said, man, God is with you. And I said, yeah, He is. I said, are you an angel? He said, no, I'm a pastor. I said, well, you can entertain angels unawares. I've seen them before. I didn't realize it when it was happening. He said, well, I like the music you're playing. I said, yes, praise God. He said, God really kept you. And I said, well, let's see. And I began to move about, and I said, well, I guess we're going to be okay. They wanted to know if I wanted to go on another ride on the ambulance. I told the guy, I said, no, I've been on one of those, and I didn't really enjoy the ride, and y'all charged too much for it. And you don't get a t-shirt after you're done. I mean, it's really not worth it at all. <laughs> now, if any man lack, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. In wisdom it shall be given unto him. But let him ask in faith, not wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind tossed to and fro. Let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord because a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And God has brought me through the times of my instability. As I worked out the civil war between the lust of the flesh and the lust of the spirit, those times that you're intervening, wanting to do the will of God, but your body's wanting to do something else. Where the two appetites, the one that is constantly being enticed by the world, or the hunger and thirst for God. And it takes real hunger and thirst for God to have God fill it. God only leads you to more questions. I have more questions now than ever. 
But I also have more of a longing now to know where I'm going and know that I am going that way. I know it now. I am going that way. And I know that God will give me all the time I need when we, when we get there into the next fullness. We're going, going from this fullness, the fullness of Christ, into the fullness of our reward, which will be the completion of the resurrection, that one day I'll no longer be trapped in this garment that's wearing out. This earth suit that's got some warm places and patches on it. My suit's been sewn up several times. You can see certain areas where things have burst through my suit, and sometimes I've burst through my suit. Uh, it's both ways. But if you will, turn with me now, and I want to go to my shift gears on you. I want to show you another man repenting of his lack. Not of his abundance, but of his lack. Proverbs chapter 30. This additional name, these additional names and identities, titles, Solomon. Solomon, so called by his father David. Jedediah, so called by Nathan. Lemuel, by his mother Bathsheba. And then for those around the world, Miss Holly, those that came to hear of Solomon's wisdom, over 3,000 proverbs. He had set such a standard and such a style that everyone in Israel, the twelve tribes of the one nation, began to speak or pick up the fashion of speaking in parables because Solomon did. It was in vogue. It was the fashion. He had literally changed the way a nation spoke. That's why I went on to say, when God would judge Israel, shall they not take up this proverb against you? He that instantiated the idea, the vernacular, the nomenclature, the terminology, if you will, of Proverbs, said, shall they not say Israel has become a proverb? Shall they not wag their heads and look at the nation that changed the language of a people? Solomon had so much power in what he said, he changed the way the community spoke. They began to speak in Proverbs because of this man, Solomon. And by chapter 25, we'll find that these were the hidden Proverbs that had been lost and been recovered by a young king called Hezekiah. So by chapter 25, if you understand the book correctly, he knew now that Rehoboam was not going to follow what he said. And much to the breaking of his heart, Solomon realized that the one person he really wanted to pass this down to did not want it, did not get it, did not seek for it. So he fully turned him over to God in the experiences of life. As many times you parents know that when a child won't hear you, turn them over to life, and life will teach them what they, what they wouldn't hear from you. They can go out there and find out, yeah, I, 
I, I tried to warn you. I tried to tell you. You wouldn't listen to me. Life becomes a teacher. And then you can have a teachable moment. All that we had hoped to teach them beforehand. And that doesn't mean we shouldn't. Michael, we've got to try. you got that little man, Caden. He wants to do the right thing. He just needs to be taught. And a lot of times he thinks he already knows the way. He's got a confidence about him. A confidence that comes from his grandfather. A confidence in seeing his mother and father. And you can already tell he wants to be a leader. He wants to be the one that knows the way and says, pick up your crayons and follow me. I mean your cross. So we love our children. But it said in Proverbs 30 verse 1, you've heard me say it before, but I want to cover it from a new aspect. The words of Agur, the son of Jacke. Even the prophecy. He's about to preach something. Proverbs 30 verse 1. And yeah, it's written like that in your King James Version Bible. It's written in tongues. No, it's written. <laughs> it's written in tongues. Hallelujah. No, it's written so that we can understand that these terms are unique to the Hebrews. Agor is one who gathers, one who receives. One whom God has given information who now is only open to more questions. That he answered my question with a question and all I'm left with is more questions. Because God is the great question of the universe. He's the unending itch, the unquenchable thirst that only He can satisfy. And the more you come to know, the more it will humble you. The more you realize, the more contrition. That if God doesn't hold on to you, you're not held. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, it doesn't matter what you know. It doesn't matter what you have religion in. If you don't have the Holy Ghost moving through you, then you really don't have the teacher that Jesus provides. You have the nature for it. You have been born again. But continue to seek God... Because you've received Him as a Savior, the day will come that He receives you as His son or daughter. And then He verifies that meeting with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And that's something you should be hungry and thirsty for. I asked for it. I sought for it. I still ask for it. I still seek for it. Many, many times... It moves on me, as I said Wednesday night. Miss Diane had called my Diane, and they were talking on the phone. And she was acknowledging God, leaning not to her own understanding. She had ceased from her own wisdom, and she was acknowledging God before a decision that needed to be made, asking for prayer. I was in another room, and I was eavesdropping. I was monitoring how the phone call was going. And the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God moved over me and said, my daughter has faith. She has real faith. 
tell her that. The Holy Ghost moved on me and quickened me. While they were praying in another room, I was praying in my room, agreement in the Spirit. The distance didn't matter. Diane didn't know it at the time, but I just bowed my head right where I was. I stopped everything I was doing. And I began to agree in prayer that she was following what she had been taught, what she had heard. God acknowledging that his daughter was doing the right thing. And his daughter was Diane Eisenhower and Judith Diane. And he got his other son involved, Kevin. And I began to agree on the earth. How many can say amen? Now that was all orchestrated by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Ghost does things like that. quickens us in the moment. Agor means a man that is received among the wise. You're considered to be wise. Why? Well, I only have more questions. The wise man is not the man who has answers because in every answer he puts God at limitation. Every time he gives an answer to something, it seems like that's it. That's all there is to it. There's no more. And no, no, friend, that's just the beginning. That's right, Miss Cindy. You, you get it. Every answer stops a matter, limits a matter. And yet I see everything that God is doing as it wants to go on. Only God can make a man who's six foot five want to be ten feet tall. He's already taller than over 99.9% .9 of all human beings on the face of the earth. And he's singing about being taller. I realize now in my walk with God that I'll never see six feet. I've taken my growth in other ways, hopefully in wisdom and knowledge and understanding. Because if, if I, by taking thought, could add one cubit to my stature, I'd be ten feet tall. But I've sat in rooms before and said, I'm going to be taller, I'm going to be taller, I'm going to be taller, and wake up and I'm bit, I think I lost it. But God gives us that inspiration to want to go higher, doesn't He? And the higher you go, the higher you'll want to go. And the more you've seen, the more you'll want to see. Until you begin to realize that I'm thankful for what I've seen. And what I've seen gives me the hope of what I will yet see. And to see is to comprehend, to understand, only to come to a whole new set of questions. They used to say a laboring man is fatigued in his body at the end of the day. But the fatigue of someone in management is mental. And that mental fatigue would not only weary him in his mind, but also his body. He mentally wouldn't want to be physical. They say, well, the, the headaches of a laboring man are different from that of a person who has to make decisions. The headaches just change. I wish I didn't have the headaches of working and laboring and my body being worn out, and that creates headaches and limitations. We see many people deceived by the lie of sowing and reaping, 
where you don't even realize you've already made an agreement with the sweat of your brow to work under the curse of the earth. And Jesus Christ breaks that curse. That methodology that you sell yourself to an hourly rate or an hourly wage when you are worth so much more. I would break that covenant with the earth. I would overcome the sowing and reaping curse that's upon the earth. I get something better than the sweat of my brow. I get the grace of God. And the grace of God gives me far more, exceedingly abundant, of everything I ask or think, right? God had some better person in in mind for you. He just happened to have the wonderful first name of Kevin as well. Amen? I saw what God could do for my little daughter over here and it makes me happy every time I think of her. That God has blessed her. The same God that blesses you, Miss Janice, to be married to that stud you're sitting beside. Hallelujah. The words of Agur, a man that has gathered and received among the wise. And remember, the wise man is not the man with the answer. Aristotle said it's the man with all the questions. And I am a myriad of questions. If you really get around me, I'll tell you what I've learned, but yet all these are open-ended answers. My doctrine and my theology doesn't have a ceiling on it. Because every time I thought I've known something, God takes what I know and He shows me yet more. If any man thinks he knows anything, he knows nothing yet as he ought to know it. Every time I thought I apprehended God, what I really realized was, is God got a hold of me. While trying to get a tighter grip on Him, He said, that's okay, let Him make that move. I'm going to counter that move. And I'm really going to get Him in a submission hold this time. And God got a better grip of me. How many want to let God get a better grip of you? You see, it's not we who define God, it's really God who defines us. It's not we that made God, but rather God that made us. We are the people of His pastor. We are the image, the likeness, and the dominion of God. He chose to live and dwell and move through us. The words of Jackay, a man who was obedient, a man who received wisdom and became, Jackay means obedient. When God shows you something, do you walk in obedience? I struggle to. I decide to. I want to. And I give God both responses. Sometimes I say, yes, Lord, I'll do that. And then I find myself struggling to do what I said yes to. And other times I'm like, no, God, I don't feel like it. Why are you asking me? You're always leaning on me. Have I not given you enough yet? Oops. Then I walk out about ten paces and I'm like, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have talked to you like that. I know you mean it for my good. Take me to the cross and nail me down. Let me die and I want you to live. Help me to be an obedient son. See, unlike others, I've struggled at times to do what God called me to do, to give myself fully to it. That's why I'm working out 
I've got things that need to be worked out of me. I've got things that still need to change. Wonders that I have. And here's the good news. God has only become more of a wonder to me, not a less. He's more wondrous today than He's ever been in my life. He's more interesting today. I can feel Him more involved today, and I have lesser strength today. He asked me to glorify Him in my infirmities, in my distresses. People there were wondering, how is He praising God? He was just in a head-on collision. I'm like, how can I not praise God? I'm still alive. He said, well, do you, do you, do you have any, any heart problems? I said, well, yeah, I've got a bunch. But I also have a heart healer. And the person said, well, I said, Jesus is my redeemer. Jesus saved my life. Jesus watched over me. And I said, he sent you. And I asked him again, I said, aren't you an angel? He kept saying no. I said, well, biblically you really are, but you don't know it. That's right. The seven angels at the seven churches were pastors, messengers sent from God. I'm a messenger sent from Gastonia, sent to here. This is where I was told to start a church. Where Christ had never been named. Without the favor of men or denominations, but favored by the most important one. The one that called me to do what I'm doing today. He called me to minister this grace and to be obedient. And He gave me a prophecy. And the prophecy is of Jesus. Anytime you tell me something Jesus has done, Miss Clara, you're prophesying of what He will do again. If He healed a woman with the issue of blood, He'll heal you. If He healed the man with the withered arm, He'll heal your withered arm. Yes, Lord, let me stretch forth and be healed in Jesus' name. He would come to the deaf, put his fingers in their ears and say, Be open. People have caught me at times praying for my left ear. What are you doing? Instead of asking for healing. I had some growth, they say, some the size of a of a pellet get on my auditor, 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 yeah, that word, nerve. And my hearing began to diminish. But I still say, I still believe, be open. I've looked it up several times and said, how did Jesus pray that again? He just said, be open. And their, he, their hearing was restored. They're telling me what Jesus did. You're telling me what He'll do again and again and again in every generation and every life. See, it doesn't narrow. It only widens, becomes greater. We see men receive their calling. Obey, finally, what God may have told them years ago, what He really wanted them to do. And they come to peace with that when they come to Christ. Amen? Why many men want to discuss their calling. 
that thing that continues to live inside of them. That call of God that they can't get away from. I couldn't either. So I speak the prophecy unto Ithael. Because God loves to save the believer by the foolishness of preaching. I need saving from what I went through just this week. And now at the first of the week, and we're not at the end of the week, I don't care what the weatherman says, he calls this the weekend. That ended on Saturday. The new week started today on Sunday. Look at your calendar. I'd be right again. God now meets with you at the beginning of the week because it's His full intention to go with you through the week. See, under the law, they finish the week with condemnation, with failure and in death, and in sacrifices to cover for all they didn't get right. Well, now I have a grace to all that I'm going to get right during the week as I walk with God. Now He goes with me through the week. Under the law, they ended with what they did wrong. Now, under grace, we start with what was done right. What was done right is Jesus Christ died for your sins. So, Ithael means God has arrived. And Ukal means devoured by troubles. How many of you are gotten tired of your decisions, your choices, your failures, your shortcomings? Life just doesn't work out. I wish things would go my way. Why is it so hard? Well, stop going upstream against God and go with the love that will save you and keep you and wind up realizing there's more for you than there are against you. Why fight against love when love wants to love you and hold you, care for you and keep you? I like for things to work out. And now I know at my house, at least at my address, Everything works in my favor. All things work together. I remember Sister Judy Houck, when I had that wreck, I said, well, all things work together for the good to them that love God, to those that are called according to His purpose. For whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His dear Son. Moreover, whom He did foreknow, to them gave He power. Power to overcome. He that gave us freely all things in Christ Jesus. Freely. So that we could be the people that we should be. That's our calling. That's what we have. And then he said, surely now, Solomon says this well after this could be down to the 30th, 35th, 38th year of his kingdom. Now, after he's been touched by God, after he went up to Gibeah where Benjamin was a tribe, after he paid 22 days, after his second visit when God gave him an understanding heart, after all these proverbs, some 3,000 proverbs, after his wisdom of knowing how to judge between the two prostitute ladies and their babies, after he is renowned for his wisdom, this is what he has to say after God gives him wisdom. Not before. After. The man of wisdom still has this humility. 
Surely I am more brutish than any man, and have not the understanding of a man. I neither learned wisdom, nor have the knowledge of the holy. That sounds like a lie. Why would Solomon pin down those words? Because that's how you get more understanding. Not by being haughty, heady, and high-minded. He reverses because he now realizes, Jessica, how he got fed. Remember one time God said, Make my word the best thing of the day. Make my word and reading my word the best part of your day. Hear me now. And being simple-minded as I would, I said, Lord, what do you mean? He said, and he took me back to a time when I'd be working outside and hot and sweaty. And I was looking for the effect of something cold and icy. And I'd begin to think of, in those days, my mother's sweet tea, which was really more of a syrup for pancakes uh, that she would keep in the refrigerator with two whole cups of sugar in it, even the spoon wouldn't even lean over to the side. And you, you had to put lemon in it, and it was still super sweet. I would like, I'd like a large, tall glass of my mom's sweet tea. That would be great. But sometimes I couldn't wait to get to that. And in those days, when we were being raised up, I'd stop by the hose pipe outside, drink a gallon or two of water, because I'm sure that I would perish. And I'd really quench my thirst with a lesser drink. And then by the time I got to the tea, eh, it's okay. I, you know, I, I drink about a third of it, a fourth of it, throw the rest, rest away, because I'd really quenched my thirst on something else that was not as satisfying. And God said, save your real thirst. Cherish your hunger until it can be met with what you're really hungry and what you're really thirsty for. Don't let your body rob from you to feed you. Let me be the one. Then I'll feed you by my hand. And I remember that all my life. I still remember it today. That I've got to get to the place Well, I get away from everything and everybody, Beth, and I read God's Word because the author of His Word is waiting on me. See, Holly, He's the one that teaches me. I don't learn from men, I learn from Jesus. He's the author and the finisher of my faith. He's yours too, that's why I'm telling you like this. It's not just for me, it's also for you. And a man who's received all this knowledge, and there's only one more chapter in this book, He admits at the very end of it, I'm brutish, I have no knowledge, I neither gained wisdom, I do not have understanding, I didn't learn. And yet he's the most learned, godly man of his day. Trying to show us why we learn. Trying to show us the insight of how you receive from God. And then seven questions. He asks seven questions. Who, let's see if you know this, who hath ascended up into heaven or descended? Who hath gathered the wind in his fist? Who hath bound the waters in a garment? Who hath established all the ends of the earth? 
What is his name? What is his son's name, if thou canst tell? And let's talk about that little verse right there. It's an important one. Seven questions for an unlearned man who lacks wisdom, who's brutish. Do you have room to understand who his name is? Do you have room to understand that he's exalted all of his word above his name? That if you don't know his word, you don't know why the name of Jesus is so precious? That it carries the character and the intent, the benefit, the promise, the atonement that was made at one moment to save your life. That He gave His life, His blood was the economy by which He purchased you. He thought you were more valuable than His own blood. So He paid the price of life to save your life. And then He rose from the dead to give you a hope that fadeth not away. A hope that is eternal, reserved for you as heaven becomes earth. As God gathers together in one all things in heaven, all His children on the earth. It's happening right here. Here is the transaction. You may get on the phone with your investment person and say, I want to buy so much stock, but it happens up on the stock exchange floor at the New York Stock Exchange. That's where the transfer is made. That's where the numbers roll. And your purchase or your sale transacted in that place. This is the transaction. I feel the anointing. The transaction floor. God changes you from something that's temporal to eternal. Everybody say He's gathering together heaven and earth. Heaven and us on the earth. You're being reconciled to God right here, right now. On These are the grounds, the pillar and the grounds of truth. This is the exchange place. This is like God's savings and loan. It's His trust. Everything in deposit is where it should be here in the exchange floor of God. Who hath ascended up into heaven or descended? Well, we know Jesus has done both. Romans answers that question. Who hath gathered the wind in his fist and hath bound the waters in a garment? Interesting, the same way he made creation. He talks about the three things that were made the first three days. The wind, the water, and the earth. The wind is representative of His breath, Ruach. The breath of God that breathed in you the night you got saved. Now remember the night you were born again. When the Spirit of God took up residence in your heart and you began to feel the presence of God. And now do we like people because we know them after the flesh? Or do we like people because we know that person carries the Spirit of God? You may not like everything they say or do, but they're anointed and they carry the Spirit of God. Be careful when you judge them or cast them down. Some people think it not evil to speak against dignities and ministers of the Lord. As natural brute beasts, they corrupt themselves, going instinctively with their flesh instead of godly by the Holy Spirit. How many knows we're going to follow the Holy Spirit in what we do? 
and the wicked always rise up at the blessing of the righteous. What is their real thought? Why aren't they condemned like us? Why aren't they put down like us? Why do things work out for them? Why should they have it so good? Why should they be favored? Why should they be blessed? We're not, we're not, we're not. The same as socialism. It makes nobody wealthy. It makes everybody poor. No equality in that. There's no hope in that. You give us equal poverty and give power only to the few who think they know how to live life better than you. That's why they hate Christianity. Whether it's Chuck Schumer or Nancy Pelosi, Joe Biden, there's a reason as Catholics their priest will not give them communion. Now imagine that today. That's like me, a preacher, saying, I wouldn't even pray with that devil. They're evil. They're wicked. I'm not going to bid them Godspeed. They don't do God's will. And if you're a Catholic today and your priest will not give you communion, you are not right with the church or God. Because by your works you deny Him. See, with their mouth they profess that they know Him. But by their works they deny Him being abominable and reprobate, twisted and perverted unto every good work. Can we say amen today? Who hath gathered the wind, the Holy Spirit, He holds tightly His Spirit, that He may give it unto the sons of men. Who hath established who hath bound the waters in a garment put the waters to their limit and bound them in the garment of our humanity our soul the waters represent your soul here do you have room in your soul for God do you have room for wisdom in your mind in your heart Do you know that God has put you together in a garment and according to Acts 17 pastor Scott he has established all the ends of the earth, the bounds and the habitations that God knew in His will. One day, I'd meet A.J. and Christian. Cindy, I'd also meet you. Who put us in the same vicinity? Did God know what He was doing when He double-booked our appointment, Joel? The prophet Amos always says, can two walk together except they be agreed? Without Jesus, you and I wouldn't agree on nothing. All we do is fight and hate one another. Live in the land of quid pro quo. As long as you do something for me, I'll do something for you. Sinners do that every day. You ain't doing nothing. But if Jesus double booked our appointment, maybe... That's how I met this man, a double-booked appointment. They said it was their turn. They told us it was our turn. So we decided to take the turn together. We had a great service. Those who wanted to flow in the Holy Ghost had a great service. The other prunes that had a lemon baptism, they just sat over there all squinched up because of their respective persons. And believe it or not, they were scared to death that I would preach in the name of Jesus. 
So in like manner, being the good prophet that I am, I preached that message that day, and they shall call his name Jesus, and he shall save his people from their sin. I made the entire sermon about Jesus in the name that he came in. Quite a service that night. God liked it. There were some that didn't, but God really liked it. Somebody say amen. How God put together, how He bound our soul in a garment and given us His Holy Spirit. What is and determined the bounds of our habitation? That I should meet Wister at a garage one day and talk to him about God and we became friends. We immediately, I felt the presence of God standing in a driveway while cars were being worked on. I knew it was God's man. He must have felt the same way about me. See, it doesn't matter if I meet you in a storm, turbulence. It doesn't matter if you meet me and at first you don't like me. I have that impression on many people. I'll slowly but surely grow on you. Hopefully not like moss on the tree uh, but, uh, or poison ivy up a fence. I hope it will be better than that. I hope it will be like a lily in the field that you'll find that this bulb, I can bloom. And I've got something beautiful to share with you. Can we say amen? You know, it takes a little bit of time to be self-deprecating and laugh at yourself and realize you've got to have the courage sometimes to not be liked. It takes courage and stamina to still stand up and say, okay, I'm going to endure this hardness for a season, but I'm going to go on loving until love makes a difference. Amen? In this beautiful? And what is his son's name, if thou canst tell? Now we know these questions he asked in those times were considered unanswerable. But we can answer all seven today. We know the answer to every one of them. Now, do you know his son's name? People say, that's easy, that's Jesus. Well, until it really uh, comes to your understanding what Jesus, by God, has made out of you, that also becomes your name. You're Jeff, the son of God. He's David, the son of God. You're Matt, the son of God. You're Holly, his handmaid. You're Jessica, the chosen of God. Because of Jesus, you're Kyle. And your name's written in the Lamb's book of life. And that's what your wife desires for you most. Is that you and her fulfill the will of God. That you live the Christian life. She's an equal yoke unto you, sir. I don't know where you found her, but you found a good one. Riches and lands come by the inheritance of fathers. But a prudent wife... Young lady, you came from God. You are His patchwork. Thank God you patched Him up where He had that big hole right in the side of Him. Everybody say, He needed a patch. I did too, so I got Judith Diane. Amen? It's a good thing. It's a good thing. If thou canst tell. Now this is amazing. Here He is saying He has nothing because all He's come to is a hundred thousand more questions. Now, if you'll turn back, go to 1 Kings 4.
I'm going to try to hush if I can. First Kings chapter 4. 29. 1 Kings 4.29 And God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding exceeding much. How many knows he always does more than what you ask for? Now here's a man closing out the Proverbs and he's admitting I still don't have understanding or knowledge comparable to God. No, I'm just a beginner, just a starter. I've tried to serve God my whole life and I've been wrong in every perception I've ever had. I find out God's the real answer to life and yet He's not the answer, He's the question. It makes me question everything. Do I appreciate life? Do I recognize sparrows falling in the backyard? Do I know the one that knows that that sparrow has fallen in the backyard? Do you know that you're of, of worth much more value than just a sparrow? Than the grass that today is and then in the summer heat is burned down? Do you know you mean much more to God than that? Consider Him is the statement. Consider Him. With all these questions, I have to consider Him. I have to look to Him. And every answer I have now, Joel, it's, 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 it's open-ended. I can't put a ceiling on it. And I know God wants to go on because He's already raised up another generation to carry His message onward. That everything we've known only becomes a platform from which they start. They start where we finish. My finishing line is your starting line because God begins a thing by ending a thing. God ends a thing by beginning it. God begins a thing by ending a thing. My finish line is their starting line. Can we say amen? How could we wind up wanting to hurt or trip up the people that are going to run in the relay race that will cause us all to win? I don't want to trip you up. I want to hand the baton off. I want to say, go, run with it. I've done the best I could. And it may not be good enough, but it was all I could do. And I'll go to my grave in hope. In hope. My soul and my spirit will ascend to Jesus where He is, and then I'll come back with Him at His return to the earth as you have occupied and bend his boots on the ground, and establish his kingdom. The trump of God will be sounding loud. Don't worry about me, I'll rise first. Right when you think you're going to wink at me, I'll already be out of the grave looking at you saying, what are you waiting on? Change. And those that are alive and remain. Those that are alive and remain. According to the inversion of John, in the days of Elijah, there were only 7,000 people that served God. But according to the inversion in the book of Revelation, there will only be 7,000 left on the whole planet that's not serving God. That's where we're going. 
I said that's where we're going. That, that means great joy fills my heart. Everyone that should be saved is going to be saved. And God's grace covers it all, no matter what you've done or where you've been or who you did it with. <laughs> Amen? And God gave him wisdom and an understanding, exceeding much, and, look at it now, largeness of heart. Everybody say, I need a bigger heart. And for those of you that had a bigger heart and made room for me, I appreciate it. Thank you for letting me in. I love you too. Even as the sand that is on the seashore. And Solomon's wisdom excelled the wisdom of all the children of the east country and the wisdom of Egypt. For he was wiser than all men, than Ethan, an Ezraite, than Heman, the, the Chocola. I think the, the man from Chocol, he had a designation on the front of his name, was called Boom Chocolat. And, and Darda, the sons of Mahal. And his fame was in all nations round about. And he spake 3,000 proverbs, and his songs were 1,005. Everybody say 3,000. Now, if you've been counting, we only have like three to 400 in the book of Proverbs. 3,000 proverbs. He changed the way his nation spoke. He changed the speech, the vernacular, the idioms, the pithy sayings. Everybody began to speak in Proverbs. And if you will, turn now to Proverbs 25.1. just want to put together for you some of the Bible so you can understand that the book of Proverbs is broken up into five different portions. These are also Proverbs of Solomon, which the men of Hezekiah, king of Judah, copied out. When Ahaz had died, Uzziah had risen up. Ahaz took his place. He was wicked and ungodly. Young Hezekiah was about to take his place. And while they were remodeling the palace, they found lodged in one of the walls some of the old proverbs of King Solomon. He had not spoke these to Rehoboam. He didn't share these with Rehoboam. He knew now that Rehoboam was not in his insolent, impertinent way would not follow his father's wisdom because he would not follow God. He wanted to live the privilege of the kingdom, the inheritance of being a king, and yet he had no spirit and no wisdom to be a king because he didn't seek it from God. And a king is one that's much harder to represent God in his perfection to people than for a priest to represent the failures of the people as repented to, to God. It's not hard for me to tell God what the congregation, what people are like, because see, I am one. I know how weak and how sinful, how flighty, 
how here today, gone tomorrow, how indifferent we can be to the most tender of things. Kindness, our relationships, our friendships, that's the only thing we have lasting. I told my friend today, I said, don't you dare die before me, I can't take it. I'm already weak, don't you die before me, I can't. I won't be able to handle that. I don't need any more loss. I'd choose me next. If God has to take any of us, one of us next, I'm going to raise my hand and say, Lord, here am I, take me. Take me. They, they got more life in them. Let them run the race. Show me my finishing line, Lord. Let me finish faithfully. Amen? Well, thank you for agreeing with me. Proverbs 25.1 These are also Proverbs of Solomon, which the men of Hezekiah of Judah copied. So, when he did this, it is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings to search it out. The heaven for height, the earth for depth, and the heart of kings unsearchable. Then 4 and 5, which I also love. Take away the dross from the silver, and there shall come forth a vessel for the finer. Take away the wicked from before the king, and his throne shall be established in righteousness. Things that Rehoboam would not do and would not hear. So now he saves this for a coming king. And who is that king? None other than Hezekiah. With these proverbs, as revealed by Isaiah, and you can read Isaiah 1.1 and Micah 1.1. Both prophets were called in, Kyle, and Hezekiah was just a young man in his 20s. He dies at 54. I think he's around 25 when he begins to reign. They use these prophecies, these proverbs, as being found in his time, found at this moment, for Hezekiah himself. And it is through him that Hezekiah becomes the son that Rehoboam was not, dedicates himself to God. Isn't that interesting? Solomon knows my boy's not going to do it, but let me save it for a son who will. Let me look to the future and let's say A.J. will. Let's say David Michael will. Let's say that Brent will. Let's say that Josh will. Now it's up to them to work that out, isn't it? We give them that prophecy, Joel, knowing that prophecy fails. Knowing that tongues cease, knowledge vanishes away. See, a prophet can prophesy what should be, the way it should go, the way it could go. But the other element of that equation, we don't know if it will ever equal out, is the person's individual obedience. People never counted on me to obey, Diane. They never counted on me to be committed. They were scared to death when I put all my heart into it. They were scared to death when I put all my might into it. Even if I didn't fully know at that time it wasn't by might. But it would be by heart. As I realize in these days, God doesn't need my might to get His will done. He just needed my heart. And I probably have overworked myself. 
constantly pestering God to death, constantly demanding, what, what, how does this go together? You, you gave the book. How can I, you know, me and God, we've had several quarrels. How can I represent you if I don't know what this means? A little help, please. Exactly the type of quarrel God wants to have with men. Is it okay, hard head? Okay, here comes another wrinkle your way. These Proverbs were reserved for a son that would hear them. And Hezekiah did hear him. Hezekiah took these Proverbs and they believed Isaiah and Micah that these were reserved by Solomon for the next real spiritual son. That spiritual son that discovered these additional Proverbs was Hezekiah. And he waged a good war against Nineveh, the Assyrians. When they conquered and already taken Samaria and dispersed the ten tribes so that they were never tribes again. They were gone. And they were to be no more. Hezekiah took God's word, sought God, took the letters of Tiglath-Pileser. You'll read that big long name in the Old Testament. He is a general of the Assyrian army from the Ninevites. And then his predecessor, when he goes away, Shalmaneser comes next, and they begin to mock Hezekiah outside of the gates of Jerusalem. They begin to mock him and even talk to his people of Judah because he says, don't let this king make you believe that God's going to save you or vindicate you we already killed your northern tribes and there were ten of those and y'all are at best one and a half. Mostly Judah and half of what's left of Benjamin. You're, you're nowhere near the size of your northern part, Samaria. In Rezin, their king was killed, put to death under the Assyrian Empire. And they came down to get some more but they found one man who believed in God, who was calling on God, who shouldn't have had the power to protect himself, but he had another power protecting him. Same power as protecting me yesterday. Again. A fellow came up and I tried to be as kind as I could. and You know, somebody came up there shooting their mouth off with whose fault it was, and I said, calm down. I said, neither one of us got up hoping to have an accident today. He didn't intend for this to happen, and me neither. I said, that's why they call it an accident. Calm down, you're not healthy. Another fellow came by, and he's trying to assert, be judge and jury, trying to blame me, and I just had to look at him and say, to the officer, I said, ma'am, you know he wasn't here. He didn't even see what happened. And I looked at him and said, what you have to say is irrelevant. Stop. Go away. Right? I mean, you weren't here. Shut up. Go buy a Coke or something. Man's already said what happened. He didn't see me and pulled right into it. My day would have been better without that. So would have his. 
See, Pastor Scott Hustetler told me a long time ago that a soft answer turns away wrath. Be kind and merciful. Be what you really are. That's what happens in time of trauma. What you really are really comes out. If you're full of rage and hate and anger, you're going to cast a fit out there where it's not helpful. But what if you're full of Jesus and kindness and mercy and grace? That's what we need to think of in times of trouble. That's what Solomon found, that there was a coming son, unlike Rehoboam, that will lose the kingdom. There will be a son coming that will hear these words and he will save the kingdom. Rehoboam takes the counsel of Isaiah the prophet, Micah his understudy, also a prophet, buys them, he wages a good war, calling upon God. And when Shalmaneser sends these letters, mocking God, mocking the king of Judah, mocking the tribe of Judah, from whence our Lord Jesus sprang from, he lays them out before God and says, Behold, they're threatening. Here's what they say about us and you, God. They invoked your name. They were throwing you down in the mud. He laid them out before God and guess who answered? God answered that little nation, that little stronghold, stronghold of the kingdom. God answered them and protected them. And with such a great victory, in one night, God killed 185,000 Assyrian soldiers, the same angel of death that marched through Egypt and killed all the firstborn of Ramses and Pharaoh, but preserved all the children of Israel down there and kept them protected. That same angel went through a night and 185,000 men died there in the valley of Ahinoam, and that became the place called Sheol, or hell, because that's where they put all the dead corpses in Jerusalem. They had gathered around to besiege, starve out the city, and conquer it. And in one night, one night, everybody say one night. One night of prayer changed everything. What if you woke up tomorrow morning, and all your enemies are gone? Everyone who never thought anything good about you, they're gone now. They can never put you down again. Stop remembering their words and begin remembering His words. And what were His words? Now we'll finish it. Every word of God is pure. And what did Hezekiah do? He took those words as a shield. Unto them that put their trust in Him. What did Hezekiah do? He put his trust in Him. Add thou not unto his words, lest he reprove thee, and thou be found a liar. Let God be true, and let every man be a liar. God's the one that's truth. Why do you think I spend so much time here, probably more than anyone else you've ever been around, trying to prove to you what I'm teaching you is the Bible? So anyone who puts me in a question mark, bring them here, and they will need their Bible to follow along with what I have to say. Right? Jeff, how many places you've been? How many things you've heard? What did God tell you when you came here? 
rightly dividing. Let me heard more of this since you've come here. Constantly. Constantly. See, I really have nothing else to offer you but this. His words are pure. I can be impure. I've proven that. But I need the purification that comes from these same words. I'm here with you as one of you, working it out side by side. And I hope you feel that vulnerability for me. I used to think I'd come here, it's another thing I got wrong. I'd come here and do the absolute best. It was my favorite day of the week. Praise God we get to go to church. It was the top of the week for me. Everything I'd lived for, everything I prayed for, I'd, put on, I'd try to do the best of everything. Best shoes, best socks, best suit, best tie. I'd try to be perfect. And something was happening that I didn't expect. I was living so much perfection that people thought, I can't do that. I, I, I can't live that. I can't be like him. I'm like, oh yeah, you can. Oh yeah, no, 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 no. Don't, don't let this stuff fool you. This is only a jacket and a coat. This, this comes on and off. I mean, uh, uh, it's, it's not about all that. Let, and I realized I was not showing or sharing my vulnerability. Only what I thought would be a better example. And the better example I thought at that time was perfection. And I was scaring people away. All they were seeing is a mountain that they thought they could never climb. And I shouldn't have done that. That was another novice mistake of mine. Amen. I needed to be even, not just, even though I was approachable, thought like, oh, wow. He just got everything right. He's got everything the way it should be. He, you know, he does everything with uh, uh, excellence. But remember, showing yourself more human is important. That I'm right here with you. Even though I was here with them in the building of the church and the most medial of jobs, I'd be willing to get dirty with any man, do whatever needed to be done. I got down on my hands and knees to help pour those sidewalks you walk in and out on. I wasn't above it. I didn't think I was better than that. I never have. People have misunderstood my heart. That I'm willing to get down and work with any man. But I also know how to get up and take a bath and put a suit together. Praise God. Uh, <laughs> I'm not just a suit. I'm a man of many parts. Somebody say amen. And then we're going to finish with this. Two things have I required of thee. I pray this prayer. I hope you do. Deny me them not before I die. Meet my need and not my greed. Remove far from me vanity and lies. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me. Lest I be full and deny and say, Well, who is the Lord? I got so much money, I don't even need Him no more. I got nothing to worry about. Wrong. Or, who is the Lord, unless I be poor and still feed my mouth and my family and take the name of the Lord my God in vain. I want to say that Jesus is enough. He got it just right for me. He didn't give me too much and didn't give me too little. Jesus, you did it just right for me. Thank you. 
Not too much and not too little. Just what I need. Just what I need. That's my prayer. I've prayed that many times. Well, that's what Hezekiah did, and I could go on, but the time has come and gone. How many enjoyed today? Does that make sense to you? Solomon sent Proverbs for a coming son. His present son had no taste or desire. I've seen it many ways, shapes, and fashions. Solomon didn't give up hope. He said, there is a son coming. It may not come of my own loins, even though I've got 1,700 wives. Woo! Holy mackerel. Those of you who are married to one wife are going, how did he do that? Talk about a bad hair day at his house. I wouldn't even want, meaner than a bag of cats. <laughs> you couldn't get through the door through that honeydew list. Can you imagine the list that roll out? Holy ghost. I want you to know, I love you today. I hope today has helped you. I hope you've seen a delineation again, a, a distinction in the Proverbs, and that Solomon had to move on to a son that he knew would be coming. Hezekiah became that son. So Father, today grant us wisdom. Let us once again receive the engrafted word. Lord, encapsulated in the seed of your idea, let those seeds find the good ground of our heart that we may be saved. Grow in us and give us the answer by a question. And God, when we receive your questions, let us question even more. God, let us grow in our seeking and our hunger and our thirst. Let us know that every time we're filled, how much more we want to come back to your feasting table to learn of your ways, to learn again of your word because your word is very pure. Give us the pure ideals of what you have to say. Let us not add to it or take away from it. Help us to rightly divide the word of truth, showing ourselves approved unto God so that we be not ashamed as we live in this life. Help us to love one another who we have seen, to prove the love of the one that we have not seen. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen and amen.